everyone to another episode of Sublime Soul Surrender. I am Cosmos MD, your host, and I have a special friend with me to introduce to all of you today. Her name is Nadia Ledru. Nadia goes by she and they pronouns. She and I met at Vida, which is, for those of you that have been listening, the coaching certification program that I was in for a year and a half. And in that experience, Nadia and I met multiple times and I always felt very drawn really to her dancing and her art form. She does this beautiful, You, if you ever follow her on Instagram, you'll see these incredible poses. I don't know how she does what she does to her body. So I was always so excited to get to know her. And we've had these opportunities in the last year and a half to connect. And in the last, I would say maybe six months, I've really understood that she and I are following a, not the same, but a similar exploration of gender. And I wanted to invite Nadia to have a conversation and share some of her beautiful journey and story with all of you and take you on an adventure. So (laughs) I am going to let Nadia introduce herself to you and I want you to hear her beautiful voice. Hello, Nadia. Welcome to Sublime Soul Surrender. Hi, Cosmos. How are you? (laughs) So happy that you're here. (laughs) Me too. I'm so happy to be here. It's been an amazing connection between the two of us. And as I've seen you kind of come out into your queerness, uh, it's just been so beautiful to witness and excites me so much. (laughs) Thank you for saying that. I think the feeling is a totally mutual feeling. There's no question. (laughs) What I did not say, which I would love to say, is <laughs> that you are a, that you identify with yourself as being a queer slut witch priestess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which, oh my God, all of those words are so fun and juicy and exciting. Can you tell all of us what does that mean and also why those four words? Yeah, so queer and slut came much earlier on. I would say came in high school, maybe. Um, Even the word queer, though, I I would say slut came before that. (laughs) And if it was maybe from someone else giving it to me, I took it on. I owned it. I love that word. It just is what resonates with me. Um, I'm a slut and yeah, I'm promiscuous. I have been since I was young. Um, And then queer, um, I guess we'll go into my whole queer story in a minute, but that's a word that just landed with me in the community, the LGBTQ plus. That's the word that identifies with me. And then Uh, priestess and witch is something I'm quite new to, especially witch. I feel like um, priestess I'm kind of still stepping into. And witch for me is my connection to my burned ancestors. Like this is really my homecoming. It's my magic that I'm stepping into. It's Um, you know, showing other people and guiding other people in their magic. And then priestess, I'm a teacher and a space holder. And priestess, that's where it's at for me is my space holding, um, really guiding others either in group or one on one, and, and all the magic and enlightenment and healing that unveils there. That's, 
that's really that where that word identifies us now. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I really need to get this tambourine. Angela, if you are listening, <laughs> please fucking send me that tambourine now. And all of these, like I'd say, how many have I done? 17th, it's the 18th, maybe the 19th episode. Mm. I, Angela had a tambourine. I don't know if you knew that in the first and the second and the third episodes. Mm. Yeah. It was so cool because she would be able to rattle this tambourine when we said something. (laughs) And in the last X number of episodes, all of the people I've been speaking to have such incredible things that they say that I want to shake a tambourine, (laughs) but nobody can see me besides you to know that I'm moving my hand. I am shaking it. Virtual snap. Exactly. Virtual. Okay. There. That's my tambourine. (laughs) I like that. For uh, For the owning of the word slut. I really mm. want to celebrate that for you. Mm. And I want our audience that's listening to hear that word. And for a second, close your eyes and visualize where do you have a response when we say the word slut? Mm. And what kind of a response is it? Is it a ouch or is it a, mm. and if it's an ouch later on after we're done, Take some time to explore that because it comes from somewhere. It's just Mm. a word. Why does that word in any other word in our world have such a strong connection to us that sometimes can be what we'll maybe call repulsive. And when we really go back into the history of a lot of these words, they're ways of shaming the female human. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I honor you taking it on. I love that. (laughs) And one queer to another mm, yes. <laughs> for anybody else that's listening. That's in the LGBTQI 2A, 2A plus spectrum, 2IA plus spectrum, the queer word. I'd love to hear if people don't agree with this. I mm. think it is a very encompassing word that doesn't need to have a definition or mm-hmm. a label beyond a word. Queer it allows more expansiveness. It allows yeah. for fluidity. Yes. And I, that's, I agree with that so much that I've taken that on as well. So yay. One queer human other. Yeah. Yeah. Say, say, say. The word queer. um, It's interesting because it's a word that I identified with quite early on because I didn't really want to choose a specific label. And like you said, it's the umbrella word. It's the expansive word. That's why I chose it and was always identifying with it. And then throughout my queerness, I mostly had gay male friends because inside of me, like, is a gay male. Like, <laughs> I feel like I just, like, am Tambourine. a gay man. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Oh, but if you meet my gay male friends, like, I go to the Pump Jacks pub with them and they all got their shirts off and so do I. And I'm the only one with real tits in there. So, <laughs> yeah. Did you ever feel uncomfortable that you were that you were topless in a bar that had male identifying bodies and yours were you were you at that time a she they when you were at those bars I'm just interested to explore that piece of it and how did you feel being a topless human that had maybe larger breasts 
Well, I love being topless. I used to start uh, topless parties at the gay club in Calgary, and there's only one. So everyone has to get along, and there's every type of body in there. Um, but in Vancouver, there we typically go to this one place where there's only men I, and they're typically male identifying and I'm like you're all topless so I'm gonna be topless too and I just I just like to I like to push the boundaries I like to you know it's it's not about am I male or female it's like I want to dance and be topless like you guys so um but yeah this word queer so I have a lot of older gay male friends and a lot of them don't like the word queer because queer was a slur and an insult back in the day um you know like slut a lot of people don't like that word for that reason so language is so interesting and it's interesting because I choose the word queer specifically because I don't want to choose a specific yeah. language word, you know, yes, I don't yeah. want to be hetero. I don't want to be bi. I don't want to be this or that. I just want to be whatever the hell. When you say the word queer, no one really knows exactly what you are. And that's Seriously. what I love about it. Right. Yeah. It kind of connects with this witch aspect of who you are as mm. well. Mm. But I do want, before we jump to the witch, I want to go back to what you said. I don't know if you listened to the last episode from last Sunday, I interviewed a very close friend named Jonathan and we talked about the evolution of the word queer and how much mm. he loves it. So mm. he's our age in his forties. And when he came out, he was, he talks about it in the episode. So I encourage you to listen to it. If you haven't, I think you'll enjoy it. He was mm. six. He was very young. He was six and he was around the HIV experience that, Mm-hmm. He was terrified from, and he was coming out. And he did explore the slur aspect of queer, but what was interesting is his response to it is not the I want to I'm repulsed by it and I don't want to bring it back. It mm-hmm. was I actually like, so he talks about this, how I like the idea of getting out of spaces. So he was at one point in time trying to get out of the gay label. Then mm-hmm. he was out of another label and trying to get out. So constantly trying to get out of a label that felt it was excluding other people. Yeah. And yeah, he identifying as a gay cis man likes the fact that the queer word doesn't have an exclusivity in it. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. what I like, cause yeah, you don't have to you have this mysterious piece. You don't have to explain to anybody why you're queer unless you feel like you want to. Yeah. But how cool that is too, because there's almost so much more permission, right? To like, yeah, be whatever you want. Yeah. And it's also a place of privilege too, right? Like a lot of minorities, if you came out to your family and said you're queer, their culture would completely um, disown you and slam you, right? Um, Even the, you know, queer is still slur in a lot of places too. So I think it's also a privilege to use that word. And, and that's really language, right? Language Mm -hmm. is, is different in every place you go in every um, you know, different privilege and all these things. Um, it's it's just so interesting. And but queer is that's why I like the word is because I feel like it it's inclusive. And I remember I had a gay male friend ask me quite a few years ago. He was like, "What is that word queer? Like, I don't identify with it. I'm a gay man." And I was like, "Well, I'm not gay. I'm not straight. I'm not this or that." 
And that's why I choose queer, right? And he was like, oh, okay, I'm getting it now. It's kind of this like not label. And in this world of now that trans people and non-binary people are getting more um, rights and, and in the public eye and such and held spaces for them, now I feel like words are evolving. Even um, I've been having a lot of conversations about the word uh, woman with an X, like W-O-M-X-N. And a friend of mine was like, no, that is transphobic. That is saying that trans people are not a woman. And, and I was like, but women don't want to be a woman. You know, that's what that word originated from. Right. So it's pretty complicated, actually. And you're going to piss someone off like that's just a given. <laughs> and um, so some of you may not have realized, depends on how well I've edited today's podcast, <laughs> that, uh, Nadia and I have spent the last oh, 10 minutes trying to troubleshoot Internet connections. One of the mm. challenges of doing podcasts in our modern day world is that we're not in a recording studio. We're doing this over <laughs> Internet, actually internationally, because Nadia yes. is in Canada. And so we have to deal with things that we don't even fully understand. But I think the problem has been solved by my son. So thank you, Neil. (laughs) Shout out (laughs) to the misogynist. Back to where we were. So we were talking about this liberated identity of yourself with the combination of the two words we started talking about, the slut and the priestess. I mean, the slut and the queer. But we were Mm -hmm. also mentioning the priestess in the beginning. And then we started talking about you being topless. I want to go back to that because I don't think we fully explored <laughs> that and our internet connection was bad. The part about that, that I thought was fascinating was how you said you were the only one with, you didn't say the word with big breasts or bigger breasts. You said with, I think real, I said real, with real breasts, but I wanted to bring, I wanted to kind of bring that back. And say, what did you mean by real? Because People, humans are born Mm. with different size breasts. So just for clarification for our audience, when you said real breast, what did you mean? Totally. I mean, the breasts like I was born with, they're not implants or a breastplate, um, not dressed in drag, um, ones that I was born with double Ds uh, that developed naturally. um, And I was, I'm probably, I was probably often the only vulva bodied in pump jacks so oh, that's yeah cool. that's what I mean by so, that thank you for saying my vulva wasn't out though your vulva wasn't out okay were. <laughs> I love it well I still love all of this and I love the fact that you had the fucking guts to do that <laughs> in an environment where you were the only one that was identifying with the female body that was wi- willing and able and ready to say what the fuck is up with the fact that we can't all be topless. And I have a major issue with society giving Mm. female identifying bodies and male identifying bodies, different rules. I have always hated it. I have been brawless for years and I love it. I go to work brawless. Anybody that's listening. I've said this before in other podcast episodes and I'm saying it again. If you're my patient, I do not have a bra on. And if you're (laughs) with me, I will not be wearing a bra. And it's actually nobody's business to ask me to wear one anyway. Point being, Mm -hmm. why the fuck do we wear bras? Okay, that's a different conversation. To support, Mm -hmm. depends on the size. They can be very painful if we don't have them protected. 
And when you're jogging or running or doing exercise and they're very large, they can actually hit your face. Depends on how big they are. So there are all these. Mm-hmm. And it does absorb sweat and it does prevent us from having all sorts of rashes and stuff. But separate and aside from that is this topless concept. And I'm really happy you mentioned this. I do not support the fact that we can't be as topless as men at a beach, at a party, Mm -hmm. anywhere. Mm -hmm. It's so disgusting that we have been raised in an environment as female identifying bodies where you have corsets, where you're supposed to squeeze all of that body into a form that's not even yours naturally, right? So I just want to say, awesome job doing that. (laughs) Thank you for owning your promiscuity. I think Mm. that many of us are probably closeted promiscuous people. So thank you for Mm -hmm. claiming it and saying it. (laughs) The more we say this, the less stigma to be all that we want. And why not celebrate our juiciness? So thank you, Nadia. You're welcome. Yeah, it's just something I've claimed from the beginning and people tried to shame me and I just would not take it. And I'm even writing a book. It's called Memoirs of a Traveling Slut because I traveled the world over 40 countries and um, I pretty much slept around and that's how I traveled. So I've had so many amazing experiences because of the intimacy of sex. And that's how I really get to know people intimately. I mean, I spent my childhood in a lot of neglect, alone a lot. And to really be able to connect deeply with others, um, that's also why the LGBTQ community was such a home for me right away, was because it was talking about these things openly. Um, I went to a youth group when I was uh, in high school. A friend brought me. And the first thing you say in the youth group was, Anyone who shows up today can be any name, any gender, any sexual orientation they want that day. Like, it doesn't have to be last time we had this group. It doesn't have to be the same, nothing. And that was the first time it really opened my eyes to like, wait a second. Like, I don't have to choose a label or I can choose one that doesn't have to stick. Yeah. And you were young. You said youth group. So how young are we talking about? I was 16, 17, 16, 17, uh, maybe even 18 at the time, 17, 18. So when did you come yeah. out to yourself as being queer? Yeah, coming out is such an interesting concept for me. And um, I have a lot of conversations about this lately because I don't even think I've come out. <laughs> you know, I just like... Maybe we are doing it I here, just, shall we? I don't, I don't even know (laughs) because what, what is the definition of coming out? I don't even really know. I mean, I've just lived my life. I've dated many different genders. Um, I've been, I've had sex with many different genders and I just kind of flow along as I go. Um, I come out when someone calls me heterosexual, I'm like, uh, uh, that I am not that. Um, I don't get often called maybe because of how I look or whatever people, you know, they're not like you're a lesbian or whatever, you know, um, that people do those rude things. So I don't get often called that, I guess, just the way I look. And, um, 
yeah, I guess the only time I really come out is when people like try to label me is really what it is. And I really want to applaud that for a second. Can I pause you for a quick second? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so, so powerful. Mm. You said I come out when somebody calls me heterosexual. So what I want to stop for a moment is say, when people are heterosexual, are they asked to come out? No, they're not. (laughs) You're bringing up a really great point which I have talked Mm. about in Clubhouse when I used to have my queer aging rooms last year. And I'm glad Mm. we're having this conversation because we had a whole room about coming out with the LGBTQIA uh, plus community at that time. And the conversation was, what does coming out mean to different people that are part of the queer community? For some people, coming out was a claiming of of themselves. Like that would be my experience. But for some people, Mm -hmm. was a shameful experience because coming out meant that you were ostracized by community for some people, coming out was angry, aggravating because heterosexual people haven't had to come out. Why the fuck do I have to come out? And mm-hmm. it's a really important moment of recognition that we're maybe creating a system of allowing the heteronormative lifestyle to continue to remain as the majority if we continually have to keep coming out as people who are not in the heteronormative experience. Mm-hmm. Having said that, so I really want to applaud you for that too, because I think that that's Thank an important mistake. Yeah. And that naturally evolving as a person and every day having life experiences is a constant coming out. I have mm-hmm. seen so many ways with you in different rooms than we've been in Vida that I look at coming out as a much more global experience than just coming out of a gender identity and a sexual mm-hmm. orientation but coming out to yourself with recognizing trauma or coming out of abusive relationships or coming out of an eating disorder or coming out of mm-hmm. a full experience. I mean, that's honestly coming out that can be used for everything. And it's also very interesting that you're asking this question about like, what, what does the definition of coming out mean when I have chosen coming out to be a niche of my own coaching. So. Mm right? And when I originally created that niche, it was this expansive coming out that it's not only to one thing. And I still like an accordion go to the full experience of coming out of everything to bringing it back in and saying, well, let me hold space for those that are coming out of those experiences of being different than maybe what they were or Mm -hmm recognizing parts of themselves that they're willing to claim. So for me, the personal definition of coming out isn't to others. It's to yourself. Mm-hmm. That's how mm-hmm. I look at it. When did you, I'm not asking you, Nadia, but to like the people of the world, like when do you yeah. come out of something and realize it for yourself that, oh, this is a different me at this moment. And as you also said, it's going to be different all the time. That youth group allowed that. And that is the beauty. Mm-hmm. Nothing mm-hmm. just is stagnant, right? It's all fluid. Completely. And like in my coaching um, practice, how I usually talk about it is like owning your authenticity. I guide people into their own authenticity. I'm like, okay, you can look at the, all my nude pictures on Instagram, but that doesn't mean like, you don't have to be that goddess. Like that's not, that's just me and my faces of the goddess, you know, or my crazy shadow work that I do. Um, you know, that's mine. 
but what is yours? And what labels did we get put on us? What labels do we want to shed? And what new labels do we want to hold for ourselves? And this also goes into like the she, they, she slash they pronoun. I really think so. Tell me more about how you felt connected to those two pronouns. Did you have a point in time where you wanted to experiment with a different pronoun? Because as you and I both know, there's an infinite number of pronouns that we can choose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pronouns. I'm still trying to figure it out, to be honest, <laughs> um, because I don't necessarily identify with she, they. And then the other day I saw like she, they, he. And I was like, that's what I should put, because that's the most shocking to people, I think. Oh, <laughs> and like sometimes I feel yeah. like I have a dick. Like sometimes I am like in my full masculine energy. I'm trying to step into my masculine energy more. Um, especially in sexual experiences. I love it when I'm holding the safe space for someone else to surrender to me and to pleasure. Um, So those are masculine things to me and it has nothing to do with your genitals. And even, you know, they is, is great, but I also think it's, it doesn't say enough. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's this in between. Um, I think queer says more than they, cause I think they is, is kind of this soft way of being like, I don't necessarily want to be gendered. Mm-hmm. And that's why I added it to mine because I'm not just she, her, and I don't like to be gendered all the time. Like, why is it all about gender? It just, that just makes me mad. <laughs> when no, it's all about I, so, yeah, I agree. Totally. Yes. Makes me mad too. But I was going to say language. The gender goes to the mm-hmm. language. It's this English mm-hmm. language that has gender in the way we speak. Mm. And patriarchy. Some, oh, 100% patriarchy. <laughs> we'll there in a second, but just for a minute to say, well, why do we have she and he, that's a different conversation. That's the binary. And that mm-hmm. I want to fucking explode. And so that's where the day is important <laughs> to me is to say, uh, no, the binary is limiting ourselves. We are mm-hmm. seeing that there's so much more, but the language that we speak brings a gender into the conversation. There are very few languages where you don't have gendered words. Mm-hmm. And I was having a conversation with my mom about this, about Hindi that we have so much gendering mm-hmm. in the words. We give genders to things. Mm-hmm. things French is like that gender. too. Yeah. And again, that's in the binary space. So mm-hmm. I would love to one day, maybe you and I can create a new language. What do you think? Let's take away, <laughs> Let's take away gender. Let's take away language. Okay. There are people who are trying to evolve languages to not be gendered. And that's actually what I love about English because it's interesting. A lot of people slam English because it's messy and it's not this ancient language and na na na. But that's what I love about English is it is evolving. It's moving forward with the time. We're always shifting and changing it. And that's what I love about English, honestly. You mentioned which, and I want to talk about that because it made me think about language and make me think about Harry Potter because I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. I don't know if you are. <laughs> and the language of the world that Rowling created is really fast. It's really fascinating. And it goes back to yeah. all the fantasy books that I have read in my life. I'm a huge fantasy uh, geek. Have your mm. innovation of language. So when you think about yourself being a witch, do you embody your own magical language? 
You know, it's funny you say that because always from childhood, I've like made up words. I like to make up songs and words. And then I've always had a lot of multicultural friends and then I've traveled the world. I love to like learn words and like play with things. I have this really silly joke in Arabic. That's like this literal translation and it means nothing in Arabic. But if you translate it into English, it's like the stupid joke. And people just call me it as I walk down the street. So, yeah, we'd love to hear it. Okay, so it's hard to explain because it depends where you are in the Arab world. Um, but esh means what, and that esh or shu. It depends where you are. If you're like in a bit northern Arabic world or southern, um, and then fug or fuk means up. So it just when you say it in Arabic, it's like what, and then up. But then you say it in English as the translation. It's like, what's up? But it's not how you say it in Arabic at all. You say like, kifalek um, or something. That's like, what's up? But it's just a stupid play on, you know, and I just love to play with words that way. So, so when you always made stuff Arabic, up. if you'd said yeah. you or esh and then fuk, just like that, how would people that have Arabic as their language respond to you? Would they think that you don't know what the fuck you're saying or would they laugh? At first they look at me and they're like, what the hell? And I'm like, translate it. And then they're like, oh, that's stupid. But then everyone in Ramallah, everyone in Ramallah started saying it. I swear to God, I would like walk down the street in Palestine and everyone would be like, Eshfuk, Eshfuk. Okay, maybe I'm going to title yeah. this as Eshfuk. How would you spell it? Do you have a spelling of Eshfuk? E-S-H. And then Fug would be like, mm, you could do like F-O-G, but it would be like, or F-O-K. F-O-O. I would do F-O-G-K. Okay. okay. That sounds nice. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> full moon today. Happy full yes. moon. Yes. And as a witch. Do you have a spell that you use on your full moon? That's a great question. I don't try to follow anything religiously. I feel I'm religious and I'm very much in tune, but I don't, because I also have Lyme disease, um, I go really with whatever my body is feeling in that moment. And if I'm tired and I don't want to do a practice or whatever, um, I leave it at that. But when I do do a practice, my favorite practice is with my obsidian dildo. Oh, lovely. <laughs> That's probably my favorite. And I just like go at it in the shower and um, start speaking tongues and such and see what I can release. So when I do need like a release and I'm actually start my moon today. So that's my favorite time when I bleed um, to masturbate. That is the most like open cervix time. Oh, it is this the witchiest time. I love That's it. That's for any of our listeners who happen to have menstrual bleeds. And if you're curious mm. to do that, try it and send us a comment. Highly recommend. Like, did you feel the same thing Nadia does? I will never be able to feel <laughs> that. I don't have my uterus anymore. So therefore, mm-hmm. I, can't explore, I can't explore that. But I can tell you that when I did have it, I was not in this liberated state where I, mm-hmm. I actually hated it. But I also, mm. my uterus isn't with me anymore is I was having problems with it. So I feel a little bit of sadness that I never got to explore mm. that. 
So I love that you can, and that makes me so mm-hmm. happy for you. That's awesome. Yes. Well, I will channel you in it. Yeah. Next time. yeah. Channel me. Let's have some fun together. All right. Yes. Let's get yes. A queer, a queer freak on. Yes. Yeah. And bleeding, you know, it's something society just puts so much shame on. And I only recently um, actually reconnected to it. And because of all the healing I've been through in the past year with my Lyme disease and with my trauma, um, it's one of the reasons I can love my bleed now. So I'm so happy. I'm so happy. Really gives feedback in your body and it's worth trying to love it. Did you travel to India when you were doing your 40 countries? I went there when I was 18. I actually, my parents were like, go to university. They're all professional engineers in my family. And my older sister, my grandfather, both my mother and father. And I was like, no, I want to go to India. I want to go to the opposite of where I grew up and just see what's different. And I went to India and it was incredible, but I haven't been since I was 18. So that's, 13 years ago. I so, want to yeah, go back. With time to time to do that again. And you can come with me. I was going to ask yes. you about the bleed. If you knew this mm-hmm. in India, temples mm. disallow women to come into the temple when they're bleeding. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the sh- I have heard. That. Yeah. The shame of the bleed extends in multiple cultures and multiple countries And it is about time that we claim that back and we own it because God, that's the only way life gets created is through us bleeding. I know. And honestly, we're so lucky to bleed because there's a whole population that doesn't and they don't get that feedback every month, right? Um, Bleeding is so much feedback in our health, in um, getting rid of toxicity, all these things. And uh, for having Lyme disease, um, detoxing is one of the biggest things. There's many ways to detox. You don't just have to bleed, but bleeding is one of the ways. And um, really getting that feedback is incredible. It's an incredible gift, really. And I'm 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 really glad I get to reclaim it. I feel there's really an lucky. interesting conflict as the doctor in me that goes back and forth between this because there's so many mm-hmm. times that bleeding is so difficult for people. People mm-hmm. that have painful bleeds, people that have fibroids, people that have had not even had a fibroid, but have endometriosis, people that have so many other medical conditions where bleeding is actually traumatic and Mm -hmm. then needing to suppress it for them is liberation because they can survive and not have pain. And that could maybe be a grieving process for some people, but for some people, it's almost a celebration that I don't have to have that. So it's an interesting juxtaposition to be in the space recognizing yes what you're saying is actually true that is the natural cycle for a female body is to be able to have that monthly bleed but how the human body and unfortunately you have experienced this with Lyme doesn't give you that natural expectation all the time we have to deal with illness or it breaking down or it just not serving you the way that it was meant to serve you in the way that we believe the human body is meant to serve And I think that that is something that you and I can talk with each other for a very long time about, but I do want to point that out, that I think that Mm -hmm. it's an interesting space for me to realize how many people I have actually suppressed their bleeds for, for good reason, Mm -hmm. but yes, Mm -hmm. obviously energetically, there's a shift that they're going through. 
as a result of having to do that. And then the opposite is true too. Yeah, I love that point because, um, I mean, that was me. I had a lot of fibroid issues and um, I actually went on the pill when I was 14 because I was competitive swimming and I was bleeding too much. Um, But back then, you know, there wasn't as much knowledge around how to help things. So they just threw me on the pill at 14. Um, It's also what helped me be very promiscuous (laughs) when I was younger. Um, Thank goodness. (laughs) (laughs) But I suppressed my bleed for many, many, many years. And I had a lot of issues. And, you know, my journey is encouraging people. It's worth it to find many different ways. Like, don't just be stuck with one way in healthcare. Search and search and search. I mean, I'm tenacious in my healing. Not everyone um, has that privilege. So, but that's also what sent me on me being as a healer as well is my healing journey. And all our bodies are so different. And, you know, I say the gift of Lyme often, even though it's also hell. (laughs) Um, But the gift of Lyme is that it's so complex. It's so complex. So therefore, I have learned so much about the body. I have incredible doctors in Vancouver here. They're a team of women who all work together, naturopaths, and um, they are so inventive. They're always trying something different and shifting. And that's what's so important in healthcare and with our bodies. And that's what's so important in everything, right? About our gender, about our sexuality, like explore and look what else is out there. It might resonate with you. It might not, it might not, but it might, and it might liberate you. Totally. I think that's why Mm -hmm. I love being a functional medicine doctor because I can think Mm -hmm. of and I can provide all those innovative ideas to people that Mm -hmm. can look at their body in a different way, in a unique way. But I love what you just said. And I think it's an incredible high for us to kind of end this conversation on with the idea of coming back for more because there's so much that Mm -hmm. touched upon like an ice, like an iceberg that to realize the beauty of all of us, right? The beauty of your human condition Mm -hmm. is defined only by one thing, which is yourself. Mm -hmm. It's defined Mm -hmm. by how connected you are in that moment to whatever it may be that you want to want to hold on to and express. And yes, just take time to honor this human body and be grateful to it every day. It is serving us. And even mm-hmm. over here, our energetic spirit is still serving. So yeah. and I will say the journey of this, like returning home to myself, my authenticity, this is what has helped me dissolve into loving my body and loving who I am shamelessly. Um, also diving into my shame, these kinds of things. This is the number one thing really is just keep step by step stepping into your authenticity and the world around you will unfold in alignment um, with that. And the gifts just do not stop giving when you get there. That is so true. I hope all of you are hearing what Nadia is saying and really just enjoying the beauty of her words, the depth of the wisdom and what she is saying. Nadia is a pleasure and very important to name this because we haven't said this yet is a pleasure empowerment 
coach. She is an orgasm empowerment coach, and、mm-hmm. her actual title—it's really cool. The title of her of her coaching practice is called Pleasure Empowerment Coaching and Education. And if you take a second and take those letters, it's an acronym for peace. I mean, that's fucking amazing. <laughs> so this orgasm empowerment coach can be found. Both on Instagram and on her own website, so nadialadru.com, and also、mm-hmm. Instagram nadialadru. I will have all of this in the show notes. Nadia, before we say goodbye, is there any other message you'd like to leave with our with our listeners? Any other way you want them to contact you as well beyond what I just said? Yeah,、um, the message I have to leave with you is. You're worthy. You can do it. You know, I was in my darkest places. I struggled with suicide. I lived in chronic pain for the majority of my life. And just keep taking small steps into your authenticity. You can do it. And please reach out. Like I'm here. I love these conversations. I'm here to be vulnerable.、Um, you know. Hit me up anytime, and I've got courses that bring you from the practical into the magical. I just launched my pelvic floor course, which is incredible,、um, and then I also do one-on-one coaching. So I, I deep dive with you and create the space to get you there. So please reach out and yeah, step in. Step in. So step in, everybody. Step into the juice and the magic that Nadia has to offer. <laughs> Nadia, thank you so much for being here with us today. This was so special. Thank you. Make this so、happen. special. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. Thank you, really, from our listeners. Thank you to you as well, and to all of you listeners. I want to wish all of you a beautiful morning, afternoon, evening, night, wherever you may be. Thank you for being here with us, listening, showing up, being this incredible loyal community around the globe. I am so grateful to you to keep Sublime Soul Surrender in its existence. And Nadia, sending you a kiss. Mwah. Enjoy. Me in your shower with the obsidian dildo, please. Yes, <laughs> lots of love. <laughs>